From the Amazon to the Himalayas, God is accomplishing his mission. Welcome to Amazon to the Himalayas podcast, stories and conversations with the global church and for the global church about the mission of God in the world. And now here is your host, Paul Aiken. This is Amazon to the Himalayas podcast. I'm your host, Paul Aiken. Our guest today is Stefan. Stefan and his family live and serve in Frankfurt, Germany. I met Stefan several years ago when I was in Frankfurt and have continued to follow his ministry, and I'm excited to have this conversation today. Stefan, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, Paul, thank you very much for inviting me. I'm looking forward to uh, share some thoughts about what we're doing in Frankfurt. I'm excited. Thank you. Awesome. Stefan, one of the things I love to start with is I love to hear how God has saved people. And so I would love for you just to share with us your, your testimony. How did God save you? Well, I'm one of the blessed children of people who, of parents who believed in God and shared that with me very early. So I don't have one of those very spectacular stories where I, I don't know, find a Bible somewhere, I read it, and, and then had like a 100 degree turnaround moment. And I can remember the date and time when I prayed the first prayer and things like that. I remember that from when I was very little, uh, God was there and Jesus was my savior. There were sev- definitely several moments. Uh, when I kind of stepped more deep into that, when I understood certain things, but I I take it as a total privilege that I uh, yeah know all of that from from day one or from from as far as I can remember, and so and I never turned away from it. So it, it is a I take it as God's providence and grace that I I he he allowed me to be in that very early on. So that that's my saving stories. So well, God, God saved me 2000 years ago on the cross and he decided to uh, yeah, apply that very early in my life, which I rejoice in. Amen. You know, I think people listening can tell that, that you're not from America, uh, that you have a little bit of an accent. Uh, so okay. <laughs> I know that, that you grew up there in, in Germany. Maybe tell us some about kind of where you grew up and then how you got to Frankfurt to plant a church. Yeah. So I was born in Bonn, the former capital of Germany, the birth city of Beethoven. And uh, I um, stayed there my kind of childhood and then um, moved around in West, mainly West Germany, um, different places. And uh, when I was 19, I um, met my wife. And so we married two, th- two years later and uh, doing our studies. So I studied theology for five years in Gießen. And um, yeah, from there, I became a youth pastor in the Ruhrgebiet, uh, northwest of Germany. And uh, but from the beginning, we had the idea to plant a church from the from the study years. Um, and then like, some years later. God reviewed that or renewed that calling. And in 2009, we moved to Frankfurt and then started the church planting process here. And uh, yeah, in that time, we had uh, our three kids. Uh, they're now 15, 13, and 7. Uh, but yeah, I live in Frankfurt now for more than 10 years. Okay. So, you know, funny story. I, I live in Louisville, Kentucky, and 45 minutes down the road, there's a, a town that's our, our capital city for the state of Kentucky that's called Frankfurt. There you go. Uh, not spelled with a U, but spelled with an O. 
but maybe many of the folks that are listening to the podcast may not be familiar with, with Frankfurt, Germany as much. So mm -hmm. maybe tell us some about the city, what makes that a, a significant place in terms of uh, the country of Germany, and what can you tell us about Frankfurt? Yeah, that's fine. I mean, in, in, in the U.S., there are, I think, more than 20 places called Frankfurt. So I, I looked it up once. So it's the same as there are many Londons and Jerusalems and all these kind of things. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we Frankfurt was founded 800 A.D. by Charles Maine as a free city. And from the beginning was a trading place. So if you look at a map of Germany in the maybe uh, until the mid uh, 1800s, it was uh, not one big country, but a kind of a puzzle of many different little kingdoms. And in the middle of that was always Frankfurt, which was uh, free and independent from all these kingdoms. So it became a trading place. And that is, I mean, trading and and finances. That's what Frankfurt was all about from the beginning. It is today the um, financial capital of Europe, even more now that London, which was kind of the other competing financial center, is leaving the European Union. Uh, we have the European Central Bank here. All the big banks of Europe or maybe even the world are in Frankfurt having a big thing here or even a headquarter. Um, it's a city today by about 800,000 people in the city center, about 2 million in the uh, city broader limits and it's not that large in in size but it's a very influential city so it's one of the most influential cities in europe um it is it's political wise so, so politics are done in berlin in germany but many other things like industries um finance especially uh big biggest airport on the continent i think and uh, busy trains so it's a transportation hub a big university Things like that. So it's a. It has a. It is. It is the only city in Central Europe that has a real true skyline. So um, we looks a little bit like an American city, and it's a very international place. So fifty four percent of our people who live in Frankfurt are not born in Germany or have a German background. So it's a very international place, um, and yeah, it's it's a great city. It's very easy to get to. A lot of people who fly to other destinations in the world from the U.S. make a stop in Frankfurt and go on. And, uh, yeah, it is a lovely place where the gospel is def desperately needed. That's a that's a good a good transition. You know, you were talking some about the history of, of the city, but you know, one of the things I want to talk about next is is to pivot and talk about Christianity in Frankfurt, mm -hmm. the the state of the evangelical church. And, you know, I would love for you to speak some to what is the state of the evangelical church maybe there in Frankfurt, but then maybe scan out even broader into to Germany as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, most people who think about Europe would probably think of, well, that's a Christian place. And it, it has probably very rich Christian history. I mean, just the other day, I was walking down the streets of Frankfurt with a group showing them a plague on one of the older buildings where Luther actually almost exactly 500 years in 1521 had a, had a stop in Frankfurt uh, on his way to Worms and back. Um, so there's a rich history of church things here in, in, in Germany, in Frankfurt. But the truth today is that it's very post-Christian. That's how we call it. So most people uh, in Frankfurt and in Germany and probably in Europe 
would think of the church and Christianity as something that we kind of left behind. So that's something we are not that much, we don't need that anymore. Um, people are not maybe more secular, but they're definitely more post-Christian. And that means great-grandparents were part of the Christian church, grandparents left the church, parents were not part of the church anymore. And today we don't have that much memory of the church anymore. Um, that's definitely further down that road of uh, secularism or post-Christianism than in other parts of the world, maybe maybe North America. And uh, so the, we, we, a couple of years ago, we did a study in, from the Center for Church Planting in Frankfurt about our city. Um, and we would probably we think from our research, uh, the number of gospel-believing Christians in the city of Frankfurt is somewhere between 0.2 and 0.5%. So um, some mission organizations consider us as an unreached people group. We're in the same category as a tribe in the jungle uh, because we have so little people that really know the gospel. And that's speaking of any kind of um, church or evangelical church. So there's the, the, the situation in Germany uh, when it comes to theology is that uh, we have two big state churches, the Catholic church and the Protestant church. The Protestant church is a union out of Lutheran and Reformed uh, churches. And uh, um, yeah, the, the Protestant church is in Germany very, very liberal. So theologically speaking, so it was liberal theology was somewhere invented here in Germany. And you will probably hardly find the big majority of the pastors or ministers in the state church, the Protestant one, would probably not say that the tomb was empty. So the risen Christ as a historical fact is not what they believe in. And that gives you an idea of the reality in that church. The evangelical churches or the churches that we would say are people who believe the gospel often are very liberal or very legalistic. Many of them are really just not that relevant for the people around them. So that's the challenge. And then we have, in addition to that, we have the urban challenge, which means that churches that are in the city, so there are some really good ones, uh, but they're most of the time filled with people who don't live in the city because they're driving in every day. Uh, so the percentage of people who actually live in the city and you could share the gospel with their neighbors and co-workers is really not very high. Wow. Okay. So that, that gives us kind of a, a good picture of some of the context there in Frankfurt, but then, you know, Germany as a whole as well. And you mentioned, you know, kind of this, this phrase of, of living in a post-Christian culture or post-Christian society. So my next question is, what are some of the challenges with with reaching people that are are immersed in, in a post-Christian context? Yeah, obviously you you talk some about really minimal, if any, belief in the supernatural, kind of denying some of the key doctrines maybe that we even see in the Bible. But but what would you say from your perspective and your experience there now over a decade in this city, what are some of the challenges that you find uh, reaching people in this context? Mm. Yeah, we would describe the people to be post-Christian, which is what I just explained, and then post-modern, which is more like a society change. That's We're probably still in the big middle of that, and there's a lot of debate in what that really is, but also post-secular. Um, so these three posts, post-Christian, post-modern, post-secular, 
And post-secular means that in the 20th century, most of the people thought that the future will be totally secular. So that's the little bit the, the Star Trek idea, right? Star Trek, around Enterprise, somewhere in, in, the, in 2300, we're flying around in starships and religion is basically passed. So we, we, we kind of developed out of that through science and development. So, but that's not there anymore. So the, uh, the secularism is not something that's, so atheism is not growing. Um, people are very, very spiritual, open, but they're just not uh, looking at the church or the way their parents or grandparents believed in the God of the European church as something they would have benefit from. But they're totally open for spirituality. And the biggest challenge that I see for reaching people is, I think, actually, the church itself, the way the church approaches people today. I think often we're using or we're going pathways that nobody today is interested in anymore. We're answering questions that people don't have anymore. We're kind of running into pitfalls that or into traps um, or we're wrestling with things that people don't wrestle that much anymore. I think people are very open, honestly. So I think when we take a new approach, so if we do the job that the church should always do is to contextualize the gospel new. So not use the same methods, the name, same styles, the same you know, old things that worked maybe two generations ago. Uh, if we don't do that and we apply it fresh and new uh, from a deep understanding of the gospel in ourselves, then actually people are quite open to, under, you know, I have seen a lot of people or most of the people that I engage with here when I say, hey, we are planting churches, we're trying to do a new approach. It's, it's around good old things like the gospel and the Christian belief, but it's not like the typical old fashioned church. People are, oh, that's interesting. Can, can I hear more about that? So I don't hear people that much saying, oh, I'm not, you know, I hate this or I'm against that. Uh, maybe that's a little bit different than in the U.S. or in other places in the world. But actually, I think the church itself is the biggest you know, obstacle, so to say, to, to it. Because we're still trying to do it in the same way as you know, our grandparents did. And that doesn't work anymore, for sure. Yeah. Mm. It's still the same old gospel. Don't get me wrong on that. I totally believe that is as hard as ever. But I think the, um, the approach of the church. So the contextualized version of the church is just not that fitting anymore as it used to be. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so obviously, you know, uh, shared a lot of brutal facts, just, you know, low percentage evangelical, long history there in in the city, but, but really at this point, not a lot of gospel fruit uh, to show necessarily. But Sharing all of those challenges and all those difficulties, I know that the Lord is still at work. You know, uh, Matthew's gospel tells us that he is building his church. And so we know that's happening. We know that good things are taking place. Uh, so I would love for you to share, maybe as you think back over the last, you know, two to three years, what encouraging things have you seen? And, and I know your work is not only limited to Frankfurt. Maybe we can begin with some of the encouraging things that you've seen in Frankfurt. Mm-hmm. I know your work with City to City is, is broader across Europe as well. So as you think about Frankfurt and you think more broadly about Europe, how is the Lord at work in that place? Yeah, I think, I think Frankfurt is a, is a prototype or maybe a good example of what we see in other cities as well in, in, in Europe. 
Um, one thing is for sure in the 21st century is that more and more people want to live in cities. The urban development, I mean, uh, I think 2011, we passed the point where more of the half of the population lived in cities and it's growing. So what we see is that there's a very encouraging number of leaders, Christian believers, people who want to do want to be involved in a fresh approach of the gospel in the city are moving to the cities to either renew or probably often more plant new churches in the growing cities of of, of Europe and in Frankfurt as well. So we uh, see in the last decade an increase of people who say, well let's let's go and plant churches and build churches for those young urban people or for the urban people, not only the young ones, um, to reach them because it's so strategic, it's so important, and there, there's a big need there. So the most unreached people in our countries in Europe uh, or in, let's say in Germany are the ones who live in the cities and who are younger in age. So the more urban it gets, the more younger the people are, the most unreached you are. And that's where, and, and especially those who are um, native backgrounds, who are not international people. So in Frankfurt would be the young urban Germans. And that is where a lot of people have a, feel like a calling to go and build church and make, make the gospel real to those people. And that is not done by uh, like a, a weekend event or something. That is done by really going and living with those people, like moving to the city. And that is, I think, something that I see is very encouraging. We've seen a, 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 a hopeful number of church plants and people, you know, ministries that come out of that in the city of Frankfurt, um, more than a dozen church plants in the last 10 years. And we're right now in a beautiful process um, just the other week uh, of bringing together the key organizations, denominations, churches, players, leaders in Frankfurt to from different denominations to collaborate around the gospel and a vision for planting new churches in the city together. And that's what we see not just in Frankfurt, but all over Europe. When this happens, so when people who in the core believe in the gospel, and sometimes maybe they they differ on some things, you know, about minor things in theology or style issues or things like that. But they begin to say, well, there's something here that we can only achieve together. None of us, no organization, no denomination, no network can achieve reaching Frankfurt or Brussels or Moscow or places like that. Uh, but we need to join in a healthy way and we need to collaborate generously and to reach the city together. Um, not with everybody, the borders to that, of course, you know, the theological borders or things like that. Uh, but those who are close together enough are coming together and um, joining. We see that in different cities. And that's one thing we see in Frankfurt too, which I really prayed for a lot. And uh, Kelly is, uh, or friends that you know are in that as well. And that's something we really rejoice. And that gives me hope. So when the church or the leaders, Christian leaders in the city begin to stop working parallel, so they're not competing anymore. If they begin to, so we have these, uh, they stop competing, they begin to communicate and they begin to cooperate and even collaborate. That's, I think, where you see that God is at work and then churches get planted in a healthy way, disciples are made, the gospel is spread.
That's good. I'm glad to hear about some of that cooperation and, and kind of growing um, work together in cities across Europe. I think that's an encouraging thing. So I appreciate you sharing that. You know, we, we've talked some about Frankfurt, how it's a well-known city. It's a very influential city. You've talked some about the importance of cities just in general and people, you know, trending and moving towards cities. So I've talked to you some about the challenges. I want to ask kind of a different type of question, and that is based off your 10 years plus, you know, more than a decade of work there in Frankfurt, what do you believe it takes to do faithful ministry in urban cities like Frankfurt, you know, and we can we can talk about Frankfurt. We can also talk about other cities across Europe as well. But what do you think it takes to do faithful ministry in urban contexts? Yeah, well, I do think it takes long term commitment. So it's um, doing ministry in place like this is not a a two week trip or a one one year thing. Where you know it takes a while. So I think. One of the things we press always is the missional approach, so that we're not doing just a big event, evangel, uh, you know, evangelism, which can sometimes be fruitful, but it takes a while to really get involved, to become a Frankfurter for the Frankfurters. So, you know, a little bit to related to what Paul said once: became a Jew to the Jews, a Greek to the Greek, and so on. And uh, that takes a while. I mean, Jesus incarnated. And that's the model of that contextualization that Paul does. Jesus incarnated, and he did 30 years of ministry or just living here before he actually began an effective ministry. So it took him also a while to be to be human before he was then really able, or maybe probably he was able before, but he chose to, to just you know be there for a while. He didn't just appear and do his thing and go away. He, he stayed. And I think that's something we somehow need to understand deeply, the incarnation, the contextualization of the church. And that is something um, I would say for people, where they come from, if you want to do ministry effectively, really impactful, fruitful, healthy in a city, uh, you need to become part of that city, live there, love it, um, eat the food that the people love and, and go to the stores and, 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 and become a little bit a person, not just, but fully of that city. So identify yourself with it, not just use it and go into it and try to you know, do your thing, but be part of it. The second thing I would say that we would say is the number one key thing is um, be gospel centered. So love the gospel more than anything else. And that is a little bit in contrast to thinking that there's, you know, I think a driving verse for us here is often what Paul said in Romans when he says, you know, the gospel is the power of, of God uh, able to save. And I think it's the gospel, the power. Uh, there's a quote from Luther. He said that the true treasure of the church is the holy gospel of the grace of God. And that is, I think, something we, the church itself, forgot a little bit or, you know, got foggy. Or, you know, I think Today, I see a lot of people who plant churches or do ministry and who think, well, if you take that program or if you take that method or if you take that, whatever it is, um, you know, if you take that small group approach from China, if you take that evangelism uh, method from Cuba or, you know, whatever it is from that new book or whatever. And we're always like, oh, if you do that, that worked over here, it should work here. So let's, let's apply it and do it. 
roll it out, make a program, and you see hundreds of conversions and thousands of churches planted in whatever. I don't think that works. I think it's even wrong because I think it takes away this idea that there's only one thing that we should put our hope on that is our treasure. And that's the simple gospel of and the beautiful, deep, deep gospel uh, that's the same 2,000 years from, you know, and that is the true treasure of the church. So if you want to do fruitful ministry, all these other things are good. They're good to read, good to think, good to apply. But first of all, you need to love and understand deeply and passionately live the gospel and make that the one principle for everything and for your life, for your church, for your city. And don't, don't get wrapped up too much in all these other things. So in some sense, we're hoping to see a movement of the gospel when we plant churches. And that's actually something Luther, or if you take all these other people who were involved in revival times, they found out themselves. You know, Luther didn't start with, well, let's, let's start a reformation for the whole continent of Europe. No, he basically st started very simple. He, he was searching a gracious God for himself. And he found a gospel that was able to transform him, his church, his city, his whole nation. And that is something I would say, focus on that. Don't, 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 don't get too deep in all the, into all the other stuff. Yeah. And then many other things as well. Uh, but I think contextualization, gospel-centeredness, some of those values are crucial to do fruitful ministry. That's really helpful. I appreciate you sharing some of your wisdom with us. This next question is a little bit more personal in nature, but it's, it's a question I ask everybody that I interview. And the question is, Stefan, day after day, week after week, and month after month, what keeps you there in that place? And why are you giving your life to this work? Well, it's a mixture, I would say, out of, out of a passion, a compassion, uh, for the situation my city is in, and then combined with the vision that God gave a group of leaders to to hopefully do something in our lifetime. So the hundred thousands of people who who need need the gospel, or to make it real, you know, my my a lot of our friends that we have are non-believers. There's so many of them where I think, well, they they actually need to, you know, need to know this gospel and believe it. They need to join me in my journey towards heaven, and um, hopefully one day we'll live in a, in a much better city with me uh, than this one together. And we need more churches. We need more disciples in the city to to do that. So uh, it's it's that compassion or pa passion and vision. And then also the joy. I mean, it's it's honestly great to be part of this work. I, I I think every day it's a privilege to be involved in something so meaningful, so great, so so wonderful. And uh, yeah, I think we're I think we're we will see some great things happening in the next years, decades, hopefully. It's it's a lot of work, and uh, it won't go very quickly. But it's totally worth it. I mean, it is something I love being involved in. God, before the foundation of the world, planned the gospel, planned his son, and planned what's happening here in Frankfurt in these in my lifetime and how great it is to be involved in that. I rejoice over that. That's exactly right. Thanks for sharing. This is the last question for you. 
so, so thank you for your time. Thank you for your willingness to have the conversation. Uh, what is one thing you want everyone listening to this podcast to know or to do? Make that, make that gospel the one thing you think and pray and dig into more than anything else. And you will see results in your own life, in your, in your community, in your church community, and in your city that you probably never have thought of. I think the gospel is something we often underestimate how important that is. What does grace and forgiveness and all these beautiful things that God invented on the cross, what do they really mean? And don't think that has that only answers one question in life, the ticket for heaven. It, it answers all questions, all, all questions in life. And to find that out is probably the most beautiful journey and the most impactful thing for you and everybody around you. And that is ministry, or that is that is being a Christian or discipleship, uh, is applying the gospel to everything. There's nothing that is more amazing, more innovative, more beautiful than what Jesus did on the cross. It's so deep and so rich. And I, I would say, uh, if I can say only one thing, make that the center of your thoughts and your 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 affections and your beauty, and yeah, live it out everywhere. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Stefan today. Please pray for him, for his family, for his work in Germany and across Europe. To hear more conversations like this, please subscribe to this podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening to this episode. This is Amazon to the Himalayas podcast. Thank you for joining us on Amazon to the Himalayas. This podcast is brought to you by the Billy Graham School at Southern Seminary. Please visit our website, www.sbts.edu bgs, where you can subscribe to the show and learn more. Also, if you have found these conversations helpful, please leave us a comment or a review and encourage your friends to subscribe to the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for more. This is Amazon to the Himalayas podcast.